0: Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's Monday edition. Monday reactions, Monday morning quarterback, whatever you want to call it. It is the Jeff Dean Show. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, Or if you've chosen to listen via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, we do appreciate you tuning in here. We know that you have a choice of where to listen for your sports news and entertainment. And we do appreciate you tuning in to Tucson's only local morning sports talk show right here, the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. uh, Also on the podcast, anywhere you can find your podcast, download it there, and you can listen at your leisure. All right, it's time. For the Dean's List and the dunce List as it makes its return once again to the Jeff Dean Show here. And this is our, our third week of doing the Dean's List and the dunce List. Many people were asking, like, where's the Dean's List? We want to hear that. We're the dunce List. We loved it. Well, I have brought it back. And, look, it's sometimes it's difficult. It's, sometimes it's really difficult to decide on who to put on the, the Dean's List and the dunce List. But let's go ahead and start it off here. The heroes and zeros from the weekend that was, we're going to begin with our heroes, the Dean's List. The three, um, the three people or three entities, if you will, or moments that made the, uh, the Dean's List this weekend. We're going to begin number one with the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes, we're going to talk some baseball here for a moment. Who won their 16th consecutive game yesterday at Wrigley Field amongst some controversy as uh, <laughs> Cardinals manager Mike Schilt got thrown out of the game in the ninth inning because of a botched call by the umpires at second base calling time when the player had slid bass past the base uh thankfully for the cardinals able to get the strikeout on on the next on the next uh at bat and uh secure their 16th consecutive win now they've lessened their magic number to one so obviously that's huge now the 16 game win streak is tied for the fourth longest in modern major league history and it's the longest national league streak since the 1950 uh, 51 giants won 16 straight uh then as well so you know, the the obviously the longest one was the Cleveland Indians from a few years ago, two thousand uh seventeen, when they won twenty two games in a row. The A's won twenty in a row back in two thousand and two. That's a very uh very memorable streak as well, because that one uh that one happened really late in the season. The Cleveland one ended in the season as well. That was like mid September, uh when they went on that one. So the Cardinals now in their September streak sixteen in a row and are uh, charging ahead as a magic number of one, they may end up in this uh, in this playoff thing after being one game over 500 just three weeks ago. Unbelievable. Number two on the dean's list, and I can't believe I'm going even going to talk about this, but it's the one time of the year, or not even the year, because they only play it every other year, uh, is the Ryder Cup. The only time I really, I, I look, I don't like golf, I don't play golf, I don't golf with people. I've turned down golf with some very unique and interesting people. Bruce Arians used to ask me to golf with him all the time when he was here. Uh, I used to see Bruce all the time. We used to eat the same Mexican food place. Uh love Bruce. And you, remember the first time he asked me to play golf with him, I was like, nah. He's like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> like, yeah, I, really don't, I don't golf. I'm like let's just let's just sit here and eat chips and chips and salsa and drink beer and have a good time. I'd rather do that. Uh so anyway, I don't talk a whole lot of golf. I don't, I don't really like golf. Don't talk a whole lot of golf. But I do like good team competition, and that's what happened over the weekend. The U.S. team dominates the Ryder Cup and uh, brings the Ryder Cup back to uh, U.S. soil where it belongs and uh, very happy about that. So I do like team competition. the a Ryder Cup. I do enjoy the Ryder Cup. Uh, I follow it somewhat as closely as, as you can. As, as closely as I can follow golf, that's as closely as I follow the Ryder Cup, which is not saying much, but there it is. Uh, Real quick before I get to my number three or, you know, the top essentially on the Dean's list, uh, I want to give honorable mention to kickers on the Dean's list this week because four game-winning kicks this weekend, uh, this I should say Sunday in the NFL, very, very impressive. And we'll get into Justin Tucker. It it would be too easy to say Justin Tucker is number one on the Dean's list. Too easy. We'll talk about Justin Tucker in, in a little bit when we, when we continue to talk some NFL because it's time to start the discussion of greatest field goal, greatest place, place kicker ever when talking about Justin Tucker. I'll, I'll back that up in just a minute. But let's go with one more time as this guy has appeared on the, on the Dean's list before this season. In fact, just last week he appeared on the Dean's list for his gritty performance in a comeback victory in the Rose Bowl. This time it was a comeback victory at home for Jake Hayner on Friday night Against the UNLV running rebels, as uh, now UNLV not nearly as good, obviously as UCLA. UNLV is terrible. They're zero and four on the season, absolutely awful. They've been. This is really the only game they are even competitive in uh, that they've played so far this year. So why Jake Hainer? Well, Jake Hayner. It was talked about all week that uh, he sustained a rib injury in the UCLA game, possibly some internal injuries as well, like bruising of some vital organs and things like that in the game. He went up there in, in the in the game in Fresno, all taped up, and did not look himself Friday night in the first half. Threw a, threw a pick early in that game, just wasn't looking comfortable. And then in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter, just absolutely torched the UNLV defense. Now his stat line was 30 of 42 for th- uh, 378 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. But it was the four second half touchdowns in that game to bring them back because they were down at halftime. They were down twenty-one to nine at one point in that game. Uh and look, Jake Hayner out there just wincing in pain every time he threw the football, threw it forty-two times. And this guy just continues to move up, in my opinion, move up the Heisman trophy list uh as he is absolutely impressive. I just I'm so impressed with him. Just on so many levels, toughness, his accuracy his willingness to stay in the in the pocket and uh, and deliver a ball I, he just I just could not be more impressed with jay Kaner and and uh, I'm watching I'm really enjoying watching Fresno State football just because of him all right now it is time to move on to the dunce list now this was a difficult list to put together because there were quite a few candidates to be put on the dunce list these are the zeros from the weekend that was in sports I'm going to begin. With Oklahoma Sooners fans, yes, I'm looking at you Sooners fans who booed your quarterback Spencer Rattler, speaking of Heisman Trophy hopefuls, although I don't believe that he's going to to make it at this point because just, look, he has not put up the numbers that you would expect to see from an Oklahoma quarterback. However, booing your starting quarterback when you're winning or at least tied in a football game and calling for the backup quarterback is just absolutely deplorable. I I just I just find that behavior absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what it is about sports fans, but it's been this way for so stinking long. Why are sports fans so hell bent on opening their new gift? Like it's it's like it's it's like the backup quarterback is that Christmas Day present that you can just never i mean you just try to open every single day, right? Like I don't understand what is the affinity with backup quarterbacks in in specifically backup quarterbacks in sports. Let's 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 just not even acknowledge the fact that Oklahoma has not been able to run the football at all this year, at all. Against West Virginia, West Virginia's got a damn good defense. And they deserve some credit for that because they held that, uh, that Oklahoma offense in check the entire night. That was, that was one hell of a defensive performance by the Mountaineers. And Neil Brown deserves to, uh, uh, to get some big credit down there in, uh, in Morgantown as uh, he's put together a pretty good, pretty good football team. But against – this is Oklahoma we're talking about here. Against West Virginia, they had 28 carries for 57 yards. That's two yards a carry, two, and no touchdowns on the ground. They scored one touchdown all night. They scored in the first quarter, a t- uh, uh, passing touchdown from Spencer Rattler. But the fans booing Spencer Rattler, who went 26 of 36 with 256 yards, one touchdown, one interception, is just ridiculous. You, I mean, it's, we've heard it, and we're going to talk about it next because in, in number two on the, D, on the dunce list uh, fits into this category as well. We've heard Bears fans calling for Justin Fields all season long. They got him. (laughs) Talk about that in a minute. But Sooners fans, booing your starting quarterback and chanting for the backup quarterback, you deserve to be on the dunce list today. Next up, now you may think that I'm going to start ripping Justin Fields, and look, it was not a good debut for Justin Fields as a starter yesterday for the Chicago Bears. I mean, not very good is the understatement of the year. However... I'm going to put Matt Nagy on the dunce list today. Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, the man who is responsible for putting together a game plan for Justin Fields. Watching the game yesterday and there wasn't a whole lot to watch because it was just an absolute butt kicking uh from the from the get-go. You have I, I, this is this is just my thought, okay? You know you have a deficient offensive line. You know you have a young quarterback. You have, ha- you have known this for f- five, six months. You've had Justin Fields in your camp, on your field, wearing your jerseys, going out there and practicing in front of your coaches for the last 148 days. And the game plan that you put together for him is to have him throw the football 20 times with five-man protection on 13 of those 20 throws against one of the most aggressive defensive lines in the entire league. That was your game plan. And it resulted in one net yard of passing. Folks, one. Because Justin Fields threw for 68 yards in the game, but was sacked nine times for a loss of 67 yards. 68 minus 67 equals 1. That's their net passing yardage in the game yesterday. They averaged 1.1 yard per play in the game, which is the second lowest in the last century of football being played in the NFL. This was not on Justin Fields. This was not Justin Fields' responsibility to go out there and light up the Cleveland Browns defense. It was not his responsibility to escape those nine sacks. Now, a couple of them were, but you're going to go out there and you're going to throw this young man behind an offensive line who you know is patchwork, you know is not very good to begin with, and you're not going to even offer him max protection on more than a third of his throws? You, sir, you, Matt Nagy, should be fired for a complete lack of of game planning for your rookie quarterback, you've had all this time to put together a game plan for when Justin Fields is going to take the field, and that's what you produced. You should be fired. Period. That was the worst. I I I can't even. I've seen a lot of bad things in the NFL. These are these are the cream of the crop as far as coaches go in in you know in the world of football. We're not going to deny that. This was the worst bit of coaching that I've seen at any level in a long time. The worst at any level. I, I, just, I, can't, I can't explain enough how bad. Or I just, it's not even bad. It's like the lack of game plan. Like, what has he been doing for the last six months? I, <laughs> I got to tell you, folks. I've seen a lot of bad football being played. That was as bad as it gets and it is 100% on the head coach. That dude does not deserve to have a job today. Period. Finally, and I know I harp about this all the time, but folks, I'm getting I'm getting I'm real sick of it. I'm not getting real sick of it. I am sick and damn tired of it. NFL officiating, this is it's gotten out of hand. This is absolutely ridiculous. The Lions Ravens game was decided largely because the NFL officials decided to not throw a flag when they should have. We've seen the replays of the delay of game that wasn't called. You can count the time on a stopwatch. There was 1.9 seconds, a good full two seconds between, between the time that the play clock hit zero and the time that the center snapped the ball to Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm one of those people. Like, okay, delay of game. I know the rule. I I, I under I know the rule perfectly well. The clock hits zero. The umpire no, notices the clock hits zero. His next move is to look towards the ball. If the ball is moving, you keep the flag in your pocket. If the ball is not moving, you throw the flag. One second, two second, no mall movement. The flag should have been out. The game should have ended right then and there. That's it. End of story. Lions win. But instead, they're able to run the play after the play clock had expired. Lamar Jackson throws the ball out of bounds. And then Justin Tucker comes on and does what he did, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit. So there's that one. You had a flag hitting a football in the middle of a punt yesterday in the Cardinals game that caused a player to muff the punt. I don't understand why officials feel the need to throw these things at full arm strength, down the field, when they see something, have we not learned anything from the Orlando Brown situation, where the guy went blind in one eye because an overzealous official threw a flag full of beanbags in his face and put his eye out? These things do not need to be thrown. I understand that some of them get thrown to mark the 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 spot, okay, of, of where the where the where the foul occurred. You do not need to be throwing that thing eight feet in the air, like you're throwing a deep ball to Devonte Adams. He throws the flag. The flag hits the ball in flight, which causes Rondell Moore, Cardinals punt returner, to muff the punt, which led to Jacksonville recovering the ball and putting the Cardinals in a hurt locker yesterday for a little while. There are inconsistent calls throughout the league every single week. There's too many flags being thrown, period. And then the ones that they don't throw are the ones that need to be thrown. It is a complete mess when, coming, when talking about NFL officiating. We talk about how bad the Pac-12 officials are. It is a league-wide epidemic in the NFL, how bad the officiating is. And you know what the worst part is? This is the worst part of it all. They have zero accountability, zero They don't have to sit in front of the media and answer questions. They don't have to go on talk shows and talk to people on TV and on radio and explain their actions. They get to produce a report, and if they miss something, the league gets to apologize for them. And you know what? They're not fined. They're not suspended. They're out there the next Sunday doing their thing like nothing ever happened. And for the six days in between, They're they're working at their accounting job or their lawyer job or whatever it is that they happen to do for a living because the NFL refuses, refuses to treat them like a full-time employee, to give them any kind of benefits package or pay them like the professionals that they should be. Now, part of it is on the officials. I put a lot of it at the feet of the NFL for refusing to treat these people these officials like they are in fact integral parts of the NFL product. People like me all across the country are infuriated by what they see week in and week out by NFL officials, and it's hurting the product, period. These people need to be put on full-time payroll. They need to be made accountable for their actions. They need to be paid more money I'll tell you that much and it's not because I think they're inept and they you should just give them more money because if you're going to be paid more money you're going to be number 1 well hopefully you're going to take more pride in your job not just like well I'm just you know I fly in Sunday and do the job and then I leave and nobody cares <laughs> They care and you're going to care if you're making 150,000 a year 200,000 a year whatever it is and you have to sit in front of the media on Monday morning explaining why you did this, why you did that. Go under uh, go under a a some type of a an official review for your for your game call the week before and get fined if you cost a team a game. They're out there dictating competitive advantages and disadvantages and they are not being held accountable. Largely because they they can't be held accountable because they're not full-time employees. They're just Average Joe who shows up on Sunday to call a game. It's ridiculous. It needs to stop. This is this has gone on for too long. They have screwed up way too much. And again, I'm not even going to just sit there and lay it completely at the feet of these men and women who are officiating the games. I'm blaming the NFL. Because it's on them to make the product better. The way you do that is by having these people be full-time employees, give them some benefits, give them some reason to take some pride in their freaking job, and let them go out there and do the job properly. Last night's Sunday night game was... Jerome Boger's crew is horrible. I, absolutely awful. There were so many bad calls in that game on both sides for both teams. Plays that didn't get called, plays that did get called. I'm sitting there... I'm, I'm, Diehard 49er fan. I'm like, that was not pass interference in the, in, the, in the end zone. That was not roughing the passer. That was not this. I, I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is ridiculous. They're giving the 49ers chances left and right to win this football game. And they did the same thing for Green Bay. There was bad calls that went in Green Bay's favor as well. It was a horrible, horrible game to watch. Even, even you know, Collinsworth and Michaels were like, another flag. Another flag. Another flag. Oh, look, another flag. They need to be held accountable. They need to be made full-time employees so that they can be held accountable so they can be better at their job. This has gone on for too long. So that is why they make the top of my dunce list for Monday's Dean's List and Dunce List right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Now, listen, I know I rant about the officials all the time. I'm not one of those people who's like, they lost us the game, they lost us the game. I'm one of those people who's like, "I I need more consistency. I want these guys to be accountable. I want to know why. You know, the 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 play uh, the the targeting call for in the in the Arizona Oregon game right okay now I'm going to go now I'm going to go college Pac-12. The targeting call where Mike Hale Wright was not ejected for an obvious targeting leading with the helmet making helmet to helmet contact on Stanley Berryhill in the, in the was it the first quarter late in the first quarter early second quarter somewhere around there. Chet Fish is looking at the official saying why. You can read his lips. Why? I want to know why. And was not given an explanation. They told him to go to the sideline. (laughs) Jets like, okay. No explanation, no accountability. They just make the call, and they hide behind, you know, whatever curtain they're given to hide behind because they don't have to explain themselves to anybody. Ridiculous. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk some NFL. There's a lot of NFL to unpack, and I've only got about 30 minutes or so to do so. Uh, but plenty of stuff to get into. Of course, we'll talk about the Sunday night game, the Cardinal game. we got to get into that against Jacksonville. Still a whole lot to do here on the Jeff Dean Show. Be right back on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, let's give away some tickets. Monster Truck Nitro Tour hits the Tucson Rodeo Grounds October 2nd. That's this Saturday. There's two shows, one at one at 7.30 p.m. We're going to give away a pair of tickets right now. 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Caller number two is going to win two tickets and a pair of pit passes to uh, Monster Truck Nitro Tour at the Tucson Rodeo Grounds this Saturday. Make sure you go to the 7.30 show because the 3 o'clock is the red-blue game. So go to the red-blue game, then go to Monster Truck Night Drive. that have one hell of a day of some great basketball showcase and then some Monster Trucks afterwards. So good luck. 719-1490, caller number 2 going Gonna win them tickets. All right. Let's talk some NFL. Now, there's a lot to unpack from the Sunday night game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, Given 37 seconds, I'm sitting there and watching the game, you know, and and I think look, there's a, there's a lot of, of criticism going around about Jimmy G snapping the ball with 12 seconds remaining on the play clock. Listen, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you got to be thinking like, like all the players in the team, like we gotta we gotta go, we gotta we, we gotta we gotta score, we gotta score. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's on the on the sideline, cool as a cucumber, like I got three timeouts, we got plenty of time. No problem here, right? Jimmy G's like Pardon me. Jimmy G's like, um you, you know, we, we gotta we gotta score. We gotta go. We gotta go. I can't I can't sit here and just waste time. I can't be antsy just standing here watching the clock click down. Thinking that they were going to just move the ball. Now, Kyle Juschik makes a great play, catches the ball, fights his way into the end zone like he should, getting into the end zone. That's that's the job of those players and you score with 37 seconds and you say we're gonna go out there we're gonna give our defense a chance to stop Aaron Rodgers that guy damn it (laughs) I mean you you couldn't you couldn't make two more perfect and precise throws over over an entire season of play if you tried the way that Aaron Rodgers did on that final drive in those 37 seconds leading up to the kick by Mason Crosby. Those throws were ridiculous. I mean, beyond incredible. The second one to Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, if if you're watching the replay from the end zone, he's not even on the screen when Aaron Rodgers throws the ball. Fred Warner, best cover linebacker in the league, is drifting back. He's 20 yards deep in the secondary. Middle linebacker, 20 yards deep in the secondary, trying to cover that play. Aaron Rodgers places it about four inches over his fingertips and drops it right into a space where Devontae Adams runs underneath it, catches the ball, is tackled immediately. And I'm sitting there screaming. I'm like, lay on him. Lay on the guy. Nope. Nope. There's 349ers all around him they let him up. He places the ball at the line of scrimmage. Spike. Field goal. Ball game. I it just and it hurts like as a 49er fan. You just shake. I'm shaking. I'm shaking right now. That the powers that be 16 years ago decided that it was going to be a good idea to draft Alex Smith number one overall over Aaron Rodgers. Now, I remember very well, because the 49ers had the the number one pick for the first time in a, I think maybe ever, in their history. I don't think the Niners had ever had the number one pick in their history. They had the number one pick. I was certainly covering NFL. I was doing my NFL draft coverage like I always have. And the consensus was that Aaron Rodgers was the better player. And I think even the 49ers brass knew that Aaron Rodgers was the better player over Alex Smith. However, they signed Alex Smith. Remember, they, they, they essentially drafted him number one before the NFL draft even took place because back then with rookie contracts, you wanted to make sure you could secure a contract with a guy before you draft him, yada, 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 before they had, uh, you know, rookie, you know, guaranteed rookie salaries and things like that that dropped, you know, Matthew Stafford making $48 million uh, in his on his rookie contract. uh. Either those days are long gone. The 49ers brass decided to draft Alex Smith, number one, not because he was the better player, and they admitted this. This was this was information that they gave out freely leading up to that draft. They signed Alex Smith because he was willing to sign for less money than Aaron Rodgers was. Are you freaking kidding me? And now we have to deal with this. Now 49ers fans have to deal with this. Aaron Rodgers could have played for his 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 team that he grew up rooting for in Northern California, grew up a Niners fan, he still wants to play for them. The word over the weekend was that the talks that he had were with the 49ers, which is partially why I think Lafleur and Shanahan's handshake was a little bit dicey last night as well. They like, oh, go talk to my quarterback. Kyle's like, I'll talk to your quarterback anytime I want to. <laughs> you know, I mean, they look, it, it, it's been... A thorn in 49ers fans' side for a long time. We could have had Aaron Rodgers. We had the number one pick. He could have been our quarterback for a long time. He wanted to be here. The brass at the time were like, eh, we're just going to sign the guy who wants to sign for less money. The guy who thinks he has less self-worth than the other guy. Yeah, That worked out real well. Real well. Congratulations to Anthony Contreras. Anthony was our winner of our Monster Truck Nitro tickets. Congratulations, Anthony. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the big Monster Truck show, and thank you for listening. Congratulations. Nicely done. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll continue to talk some NFL and why Justin Tucker should be considered the greatest place kicker of all time. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Join Spears and Ali for Monday Night Football tonight. Famous Sam's River and Lachoya. Come on down, watch the show live, and then at uh, 520-ish, 530-ish, Monday Night Football will kick off. Of course, it's a clean and friendly atmosphere for your family and friends to come down and watch the game with you. Forty-two televisions, over twenty beers on tap. There's happy hour from two to six. So come on down today, three to six, to watch Spears and Ali live at the Famous Sam's on the River in Latroy. Leading up to Monday Night Football, win some prizes, have some fun, enjoy the football game. All that coming up uh, later this afternoon. Some NFL news and notes from the weekend, of course. Like we're going to have plenty. Of things to talk about with NFL this week, as we continue to break down things that we saw, uh, just there's just not enough time, unfortunately, today uh, to be able to to come to a you know a, a situation where we can talk about all the games that happened, all the craziness that occurred. The Rams look like they might be the best team in football right now. They crushed the Buccaneers. Like that game, they they moved the ball almost at will on the Buccaneers' defense. Neither team ran the football at all. It, it, I, I guess I should have expected that. Um, but, you know, they just, their defense is just really, really good at every level. We talked about it on Friday uh, when I picked the Rams to win that game. I, just, I thought it was going to be closer. I <laughs> didn't think it was going to be quite the, uh, uh, quite the runaway that it was. But, look, that was, that was a dominant performance by the Rams in that game against the Buccaneers. The Cardinals stumbled and bumbled their way to a victory in Jacksonville. Things weren't looking so good. And then uh, in the second half, Cardinals, the talent and and everything just kind of started to show through. Look, that's a game in previous years that the Cardinals lose, a lot like we talked about last week with the Minnesota Vikings when we talked with with Tyler Drake. Um, You know, we were were discussing that that's a game the Cardinals find a way to lose in previous seasons. I think the game against Jacksonville – on Sunday, yesterday, was a game that they would also have lost. Cardinals had always had a rough time going back to the East Coast playing those early games, even against really, really bad football teams like Jacksonville. That was a game the Cardinals would have lost nine out of ten times in previous years. This year, just, there's just too much talent on the team. They've, just, they've put together just too much on the offensive side of the ball and enough guys to play defense. Uh, they, just, they just have too much talent. Seahawks get scolded in Minnesota. See what I did there? Scold, scolded in Minnesota. Um I don't know what to make of Seattle right now. Defensively, they're just getting gashed in the run game. Their offensive line, again, is bad. <laughs> They've got some playmakers, um, obviously in the in the in the receiving game, but things just weren't crisp for them. Uh Minnesota played a complete game. They played uh, great in the passing and the running game. They were playing with with incredible fire and determination. And I, I just, uh, Minnesota looked like a different team yesterday. They looked like a team that is capable of winning the NFC North. They looked really good yesterday. So we'll see. I, this may be a situation where things get a little sideways in Seattle because of the attitude adjustments and things like that that are going on. Russell Wilson has had a tumultuous relationship not only with Management, but also with teammates throughout the years in that locker room. So we'll see. I I don't know. Things may be getting away from Seattle right now from Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. This may be a year of undoing for them, which is, you know, surprising, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it could it could very well happen. They're uh, they're one and two now. They've lost a game at home. They got that that game yesterday against Minnesota wasn't as close as the score indicated, and uh, Seattle's not playing good football right now. Justin Tucker, aside from the the delay of game penalty that never was called, that should have been called, that would have ended the game, uh, Justin Tucker's kick yesterday was jaw-dropping. I was sitting there with my mouth agape as it hits the crossbar, bounces sky-high up into the air, and then bounces into the net. That was one of the most (laughs) crazy finishes to a game, a 66-yard field goal. And I'm watching him run up to it. It looked like he was doing a kickoff, like he ran, like he's way off to the side. He ran like six yards to get to that ball, and then he was talking about in pregame he was trying sixty-five yarders and he was short on every single one of them. So he didn't think that he was getting it. He wasn't getting enough enough punch on the ball. I think the most impressive thing about that particular kick is he was able to get some trajectory on it. He kicked the hell out of that ball. That ball was up in the air. Usually. Those types of kicks, like the like the Matt Prater kick that we saw yesterday, the 68-yard attempt, which was a stupid, stupid idea by Cliff Kingsbury, by the way. Obviously, they the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to cash that in, rightfully so. That's instant karma right there for, for Cliff Kingsbury. But much like, you know, you see in those, those kicks, the 60-plus-yard kicks, they have to kick the ball with less trajectory because they're trying to get more distance out of it, the ball gets blocked, you know, things like that. That ball was up in the air, man. He got some... He got some loft on that ball. That ball was absolutely crushed. Now, I've long since thought that Justin Tucker was one of the best kickers that we've ever seen in the NFL. Here are some numbers about Justin Tucker which may say uh, he's the best kicker of all time. Justin Tucker has now made 50 consecutive field goals in the fourth quarter or in overtime. Fifty. (laughs) <laughs> late-game kicks, he's 50-0. Of those 50, 21 of them have been from 40 or more yards. Seven of them are from 50 or more yards. The dude does not miss. And, speaking of that, he's never missed a kick in the final minute of regulation in his career. He's 16 for 16, In final second kicks, he's he's perfect. So he's made fifty in a row, twenty one of them from forty plus, seven of those from fifty. He's now got the longest NFL, the longest kick in NFL history at sixty six yards. And he's never missed a kick when there's less than sixty seconds left on the clock. That is absolutely unbelievable. Adam Vinatieri, eat your heart out, this dude. (laughs) <laughs> I, the numbers don't lie, folks. And I don't like talking about kickers too much. But good Lord, this guy earned it, man. That was one hell of a kick yesterday. One hell of a game. That finish was fun. The Detroit Lions continue to fight. They're going to lose a lot of games this year. We know that. But that team fights, man. Watch them week one against the against the Niners. They didn't give up down 41-17 with three minutes to go. They're marching down the field, kicking onside kicks. Scoring touchdowns, that team fights. Dan Campbell uh, is looking like, at least right now, a good hire for the Lions. Now, they're not winning games again, not winning, uh, and they've had some. They've sustained some injuries, like everybody else has. But that team fights and claws and scrapes. I would not. I, I don't want to be, be in a game if you know. If, if I'm a head coach, I don't want to play the Lions because you lose the Lions. That, that looks really, really bad, and they're tough. They're a tough team. They're just like their coach. And uh, Campbell, after the game, was uh, not to be consoled about the missed call and the delay of game and some of the other things that happened in that game. Now, the Chiefs, as watching if you watch that Chiefs-Chargers game, that was an interesting one because the Chiefs have been uncharacteristically bad this season. They're 1-2. and two. They've lost two games at Arrowhead Stadium, which is astonishing to begin with, and they're really a muffed punt away from being zero three. Let's I mean, let's call it like it is. And Andy Reid was taken to the hospital after the game. We hope that uh, that he's recovering well. We'll find out a little bit more about that um, as news comes out. And real quickly, before we go to break, the NFL now has five remaining unbeaten teams. Three teams at three and zero. The Las Vegas Raiders three and zero. The Denver Broncos, 3-0. The Carolina Panthers, 3-0. The Rams, 3-0. We expected that, even though had an early season matchup against the Buccaneers. And the Cardinals are 3-0. So some definite surprises uh, in, the, in the unbeaten department here. We'll see which one of those teams can hold out the longest. My, my guess is the Rams, but you never know. Carolina and Denver playing really good football right now. Las Vegas has got some grit to them. And the Cardinals have a load of talent and a really exciting quarterback. Anything can happen. Now, the biggest game of, uh, of week three is tonight. Monday night's matchup, Philadelphia-Dallas and FanDuel Sportsbook wants to make it even bigger. They're going to give new customers 30-1 to 1 odds on either team to win. That's 30-1 to 1 on either team. That means that you can end your NFL week right. You can bounce back after a rough Sunday by winning $150 on a $5 bet. Now this is a good old-fashioned, great offense versus great defense matchup. It favors the Cowboys, of course. And even though I like Philly to keep this game close, I'm going to be looking to add some spice to my bet. I'm going to put together an SGP, a same-game parlay, SGPs as we call them, that involves a couple of Dallas' star players, CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott. I'm going to roll those into an SGP, see if I can cash in another ticket. I cashed in two SGPs this weekend on FanDuel Sportsbook, and there's nothing like that feeling, man. That feels so good. And offers like this are just one of the many reasons why I love betting the NFL on FanDuel. It's easy to use. There's safe and secure transactions, fast payouts. It's easy to see why it's the number one sportsbook app in America. It's made simple, and they're always looking you up with great offers. So when you sign up, Sign up with the promo code DEAN before Dallas takes on Philly tonight and you could win $150 on a $5 bet. But just remember you got to use my promo code DEAN, that's D E A N, so that they know that I sent you. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona, New Year's only. $10, $10 first deposit is required, must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus is $150, restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. When we return, we'll put a big bright red shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. <laughs> More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Oh, it, 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 like, it feels like the show lasted 20 minutes today. <laughs> God, I hate it when it happens. I have so much more. To, like. I, I don't know if you can hear all this. Hear all this? This is all stuff that I've prepped for today. That I'm gonna to have to wait for tomorrow. When something new is gonna to happen today, and we're gonna to have to skip all that, <laughs> all this prep work is gonna go by the wayside. That's all right. That's all right. A um, couple of disappointing things for, like looking at the NFL so far this year in the, in the in the first three weeks of the season. Washington's defense. What the hell? Washington has allowed a team to score on 59% of their opponent's drives this year. That's worst in the NFL. Worst. 59% of the drives against Washington end up in points. That's insane. That defense was supposed to be one of the best in the NFL. I certainly thought it was going to be. I thought they were going to ride that defense all the way to an NFC Eastern Division title. Probably going to be wrong on that one. Cowboys are probably going to smoke the, the Eagles tonight, and it's just going to be the Cowboys to lose, which they could. I mean, look, NFC East is always always fun. Uh, you know, never never great, but always fun, that's for sure. There were some interesting decisions being made by coaches yesterday as well. It seemed like in that Chargers and Chiefs game, neither team wanted to win the game. Mahomes was making all kinds of mistakes. Uh, just, it, it didn't, they don't look they don't look like themselves right now they don't they don't like they look extremely vulnerable and as i mentioned if it weren't for a muff punt in the game the lone game that they won they uh, they, they could be staring 0 and 3 right in the face now yesterday in that game um, against the chargers chargers are driving okay all they need is the the field goal to win the game or at least you know maybe send it to overtime or whatever uh, at the end of the of the game they were you know, they're they're down three. Yeah, you know, they're down three, so the feel they kick the field like I said, overtime. But they weren't they weren't trying to have that. Like they, they were just they were like, no, nope, we're gonna go down, we're gonna score. Okay, fine. That's you know that's that's great, but it was like the way that they did it on fourth and four at the thirty yard line, and they're going for it. Like, I don't. I mean that doing it. That's ballsy, man. I mean that's some serious brass. Now I know there's a metric that says that if you attempt the field goal, you could win. You get a 61% chance of winning that game. If you go for it, you get a 58% chance of winning. But the success rates are way, way tilted. Success rate of a field goal is like over 70%. It was less than 50% on going for it in that situation. That was an interesting decision by the young rookie head coach. We'll have more on that throughout the week. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Anthony Contreras for winning the tickets. And, of course, thanks to Mary back in studio for pushing all the buttons and keeping us on the air. And thanks to you, the listeners, for tuning in. Stay tuned today from 3 to 6 for Spears and Ali. And I will see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show.